What's up? It's your host, Tori, and who is ready to be petty? I'm back with another bonus episode of RTBP where I discuss the recent Survivor 40 finale with superfan Penny. We did another bonus episode last year discussing the premiere of Hannah's Bachelorette season with Mason and Robin. If you're enjoying these deep dives, let me know what else you want to hear about. Before we get started, I want to note that although we talk about the finale, we are primarily talking about how gender dynamics play out on the show and how they impact the game. We also discuss recommendations for the production of Survivor to ensure that the game is fair and equitable for all of its players. We also want to acknowledge that Penny and I both identify as intersectional feminists, which means we are fighting for equality regardless of someone's race, education, sexuality, ability, or class. We know we all contain multitudes and that your life experiences are based on your multiple identities and how they intermingle. We also know that there are compounding forms of discrimination by certain groups of women. We want to make sure that the type of feminism we practice acknowledges our privilege and is inclusive of others. One of the limitations of our critique of the show is that it is coming from the perspectives of two white women. So we would love to engage in a dialogue about Survivor and the recent seasons and its discussions about gender. So if you have any questions or comments, message me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I would love to chat. You can find us at RTBP Podcast on all of those platforms. Okay, let's get into the show. Okay, I am here with a very, very special guest uh, who wants to talk about the season finale of Survivor 40. Welcome, Penny. Hi, thank you. I'm super excited to do this. Good. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Penny and I just connected over Facebook and she wanted to chat about the finale and uh, gender dynamics in Survivor. And I thought it would be a perfect time to chat now that season 40 is wrapped up and Survivor might be on a pause for the foreseeable future. Oh, that's um, so sad to think about. <laughs> I know I don't that's something I don't want to think about right how did you get into the show so uh I started watching when I was 14 I want to say I was it it wasn't the first season I know a lot of people watched like the first season (laughs) either up until now or they watched like the first and second and then they just stopped um I'm pretty sure I wasn't allowed to watch when it first started and I ended up being really into the game The Sims. And this is a bit of a long story, but I'll keep it short. Uh, basically, I discovered online in The Sims community, people were like recreating Survivor within The Sims. So I actually oh got goodness. really into that without ever watching the show. And then I basically was reading through all the descriptions of the challenges and stuff. And I was like, I should watch this show. So I watched Russell Hance's season, season 19, Survivor Samoa. Wow. Yeah, that was my first season. Um, And I I know people have a lot of mixed views on Russell Hance, but for someone who had just started watching, he was a really engaging character. And it was a very interesting season to start with. And then it was immediately followed by Heroes vs. Villains, which is like one of the greatest seasons ever. So it was like a perfect intro into Survivor. And I've been watching almost every season since. Uh, I think the only season after that that I haven't watched was the Fans vs. Favorites 2. Um, mm-hmm. Just 
couldn't get into it. But uh, other than that, I've watched almost every season. That's amazing. Yeah, I got really, really into it. And then I kind of had a period that, like you said, you couldn't get into fans versus favorites too. I, yeah, kind of had a a period where I wasn't watching like during university and stuff like that. But then like weirdly got back into it because of my parents who watch it. And then like it's been nonstop since then. So I think I restarted watching around, I think it was Tyson's season. So Tyson's Mm -hmm. win. So 27, I believe. I'm not as... It seems like you really know all your seasons and when we were we were chatting um, before discussing what we wanted to talk about today and it was like, well, she knows her stuff. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little bit more casual. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like the other thing is like Survivor. I'm always like embarrassed to bring it up that it's like a TV show that I like still watch, but it yeah, is. I definitely used to be way more quiet about it. I think I maybe mentioned it to one person before like yeah. my adult life. Uh, and then I, I started dating my current boyfriend and I was watching it no matter where we went. Cause we traveled a lot and he was just kind of, I think one day he just started watching with me and he was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And so I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I watched survivor. Um, to the point that now I think like maybe a year ago, I auditioned for the show. I went to one of the open calls and I was just so excited about it that I kept posting it on social media and a surprising amount of people were like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, I should really like ask around more if people watch it. And I just got super into it this past year. And I got like really into the Reddit that talks about it and just got a little bit obsessive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way too. I, I've also been posting about it more on social media um, and it's surprising, you're right, like how many people actually do watch the show. Like Mm -hmm. um, I posted something on my Instagram stories and like people from that I've met throughout my life, like in different cities and different friend groups and stuff like that were responding back to me of like, um, like it was like a bingo sheet type thing. And it was really fascinating of how like people – actually a lot more people than I thought like like watching the show Mm -hmm. and I think we're kind of in like this renaissance period of survivor where at least for this season that I found a lot of people either coming back because it was a returning player and winner season um but also because there hasn't been like a lot of like live like sports or like other competition shows due to the coronavirus so I feel like we're also getting this like influx of new watchers definitely definitely I know uh there's another show the challenge on MTV that I mentioned to you and it's I like to describe it as like survivor but with trashier people and (laughs) it's uh it's basically people from the real world and but it's basically like MTV's version of survivor but they get to live in a house and they drink a lot of alcohol and you know they all are having their own thing but this season that's happening right now was the first season where they had someone from Survivor. It was Jay from uh, yeah. Millennials versus Gen X. Yeah. Yes. And he was like a perfect fit, but everybody loved him. So actually a lot of people who watch The Challenge are now watching Survivor. So there's kind of crossover happening there, which is cool. Yeah, I love that. And you're right. It is kind of like a seamless transition for survivor people to be on a show like the challenge and like the amazing race and big brother like we've seen kind of some people that um can cross over and 
Um, yeah, that's a show that I really should get into. I remember mm. watching a few seasons in high school and like especially when the real world was really big and stuff like right. that. But it's not something I've kept up with. But I do love the like cult following and stuff that it has. It's definitely become way more about the athletic competition. Like when it first yeah. started, it was all about the drama and the drinking and partying. But at this point, I mean, you really can't be on the show if you're not like a serious athlete, like all of them spend the off season training really intensely. So it's, it's definitely changed a lot. It's almost like they edit it to be like an action movie sometimes. Like it's, it's really different. Then Natalie, our girl Nat, should apply mm-hmm. for the TV That's show. That's what we've been she saying. Is she'd be a perfect fit. I mean, she's not yeah. super dramatic, but she would no. do so well. Yeah, she would like kill some of those challenges. And mm-hmm. yeah, she she's definitely not dramatic in the sense that the challenge people are, but mm-hmm. she won't take shit. And like, I feel like, yeah, for she sure. would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So what were your thoughts about last night's finale? Every finale, I always want like the underdog to win. So (laughs) in my heart, I was rooting for Natalie. But like in my mind, I knew Tony would win because he deserved it. Like he 100% deserved to win. Yeah, Um, totally. But it's always fun when someone comes from behind and, you know, first one out and then she comes back. Like, what are the odds? Um, but overall, I felt like it was a really well edited finale. I loved, yes. or I don't know if I loved that there was no reunion, but I thought it was mm. the right choice. Yeah, yeah, that was like so shocking to me. I definitely thought it was the right choice too because I found with this season and a lot of modern Survivor, there's so much content because the game moves so quickly and there's so many things that you have to keep for the edit, like finding idols. And a lot of the strategy or like a really cohesive storyline has been cut from the episodes. So I was so excited about this finale. It was, I honestly think three out like of the best hours I've watched of Modern Survivor. Um, I thought they did a really good job. But yeah, I was missing the reunion. I was like, why did they put out all of those cameras? They had everybody there and then like no one even got to talk yeah I what we were saying when we were watching it is I feel like the part where Jeff was talking to all the people from the edge after the competition and he was asking like what their experience was I was like this is an acceptable replacement I think for the reunion because we're really hearing like you know their feelings in that moment I do love the reunion because I love to hear like what's different afterwards but I do feel like most of their lives probably haven't changed after this season versus a normal season so yeah but who got the see of money that's what I want to know I know I know <laughs> I know I know me too yeah I actually agree with that because I I often hear in the survivor like press coverage um like all the podcasts I listen to and yeah, Reddit and stuff like that, that when you get a question on the reunion, it's like not even canon because you've had time to like prepare or mull over or like build your own narrative of of what you think happened, where you're right with the in the moment questions from Jeff after the Edge of Extinction challenge was, yeah, like really raw and like emotional. And I really, really enjoyed that. I was crying so hard. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, it was beautiful. But I I really appreciated the finale. Um, overall, it was a good season. It, it's definitely not like my favorite, which I think 
when I was coming into it I just had such high expectations because of the types of people that were playing and like it's like oh my gosh these are classic people that I just like love and who really created what the show is today and I really do agree with you that Tony is like the deserving winner but yeah like I don't think it was like a top 10 season for me (laughs) what is your favorite season um, of modern Survivor, I would say Kageon, which is like oh, yeah. probably a, a hot take now that um, Tony won. And I don't even think that it necessarily was because of Tony. I just think it was a really good, like, entertaining season, like, through mm-hmm. and through, and a satisfying winner and stuff like that. I find other seasons of modern Survivor that I really like don't have that satisfying ending um, that I'm like looking for which I think we'll talk about later with just like who's been winning lately (laughs) right um, and I think that that like caps it off but yeah what's your favorite season I actually didn't think about it uh (laughs) I know my favorite winner is Kim but yes. her season yeah. is not my favorite. No, <laughs> super boring. I, I mean, I, it's cliche, but probably heroes versus villains, especially because yeah, it was like the second sure. one I saw. Um, yeah. I just think it's full of so much entertainment and so many great moments. And it's like, I I personally don't love the way that it ended, uh, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was such a great journey. And I do think a lot of Survivor is about the journey versus the destination to the point where sometimes I feel like it doesn't even matter really who won as far as the entertainment, you know, Uh, obviously to the people who played it matters, but you know, (laughs) for someone watching at home, the winner doesn't matter as much as like the characters and the journey you got to see along the way. For sure. And like there are, moments and strategy that I like love that like have happened in seasons that I wouldn't even think of my like top 10 or anything like that but I I think when I am watching like I am just looking for the entertainment probably and so yeah things like Kageon Heroes versus Villains like those Mm -hmm. are just like every episode is so strong and yeah so exciting So we started with like a crazy season. There was the edge of extinction (laughs) twist Mm -hmm. where we saw Natalie come back. I thought that that was like wild just when you're thinking about this season and then thinking about edge of extinction where Chris Underwood won, where both of the players that came back at final six made it to the end. Do you think that that's like, if you're thinking about game mechanics, do you think that that is... I don't know, something that we'll see again. Do you think that will always happen if someone comes in at final six, that they'll make it to final three? Yeah, I definitely don't think it's fair to bring someone back at final six. I feel like yeah. that's way too late in the game. And I was we were really surprised that they did that again. Because um, yeah. I just feel like, especially, I mean, I know they didn't give her the idol. She bought it. But with an idol coming in at six, you only have to win one immunity and then you can make it to four, and then you just have to make fire. Totally. I don't know. It's just timing-wise, it's a little too easy. Uh, Yeah. I was thinking about it yesterday, I think, and I really, I preferred Redemption Island because I felt like with Redemption Island, at least, you know, they would only interact with one person at a time, and they would immediately compete, or three people at a time if if it was... uh, Tyson season um but you know they would immediately compete someone would go home 
And they weren't all, you know, hanging out and talking about, oh, what's going to happen when you get back in the game and strategizing and, you know, talking about what's going on to the point where, you know, with Edge of Extinction, you're like Natalie played an incredible game, but yeah. the argument is like, was her game still Survivor or was it yeah. a different game? Because if the question was just like, who played the best game on Edge of Extinction, obviously she won that, but I yeah. don't think too many people that was really Survivor. Totally. And I like never hold it against the people that come back, like Chris or Nat or Tyson or Rick or whatever. Like right. I I never want to hold it against them because they're just playing the cards that they were dealt. Mm-hmm. And that was the game that they were given and they maximized like – and took advantage and worked really hard to get where they were. But yeah, like I I just am such a sucker for like classic survivor. And I think the edge takes away some of those things like having to present your argument to the jury. Like Nat had such an advantage that she got to hang out with the jury. Mm -hmm. So they knew about – most of her like advantages and gameplay from the edge I know that she detailed it in final tribal council and like people she kept some of the pieces um a secret from the players at the edge but yeah I just think like it's such an unfair advantage and I think that if she was hanging out on the edge but there was nobody there I don't know if she would have got four votes Mm mm-hmm And, like, same with Chris. Like, if he wasn't – if he was on a deserted island, that was the edge. Um, Mm -hmm. He was – they're all separate or something like that. Like, I don't think he wins. Right. Because of those bonds that you're creating. Yeah, it definitely is complicated. I feel like Chris's win definitely was based on the bonds that he made on edge. I almost feel like Natalie's votes were more based on outside bonds – uh, mm. although I feel like her and Parvati, cause it was Parvati, Ethan, Tyson, and Jeremy that voted for yes. her. Yeah. And I know she connected with Parvati and Ethan on edge, but I think I saw somewhere that she and Tyson were already close and her and Jeremy were yeah. obviously pretty close already. So totally. I do feel like that definitely played a part. I don't know. I, uh, like I said, I was kind of secretly with my heart rooting for her because I do yeah. feel like she with, like you said, with the card she was dealt, she played the best game she could have. I didn't think it was fair at the end for them to be like, oh, you should have gone against Tony. Because if she didn't think she could beat Tony in fire making, like, you know, what was the point? Yeah, that was also something that stuck with me, too, is like, I think it was Boston Rob and just Mm -hmm. like some other members of the jury that were just like adamant of like, why didn't she take on Tony at the end? Because I'm like, because then if she loses, then she like... She doesn't make it to final tribal. And I think like one aspect of like people that are just watching from their homes is like she would have if she doesn't didn't think that she could beat him at fire making. She goes home, but she also loses out on a lot of money like they get paid per placement and how far and well they do. So even if she thought like, okay, maybe I won't win the game, but I like she probably made so much more money making it to final three than going out or second making it to yeah. second place versus fourth right and uh, I don't know how much they were giving second place this time but I believe normally it's a hundred thousand dollars yeah it's it's like quite quite a bit of money yeah and I think like third place is maybe around like fifty thousand something mm, like that like something it's, like that 
for for many people that is like life-changing money right Mm -hmm. so yeah I I didn't I didn't think that that was poor like a poor decision on her yeah I definitely felt like uh and we'll talk about like gender dynamics in a bit but I do feel like that was a bit of a like oh you should like be a man and like prove like you know it just felt kind of like the masculine like thing to do is to go in and face your enemy yourself and I felt like she was making a logical decision to send someone else in there so that she wouldn't have to go home so I just didn't like the kind of intention behind it when Tony said it initially and then when Rob said it yeah totally yeah I agree with that like I think like the logical choice is to know your abilities and what you can do and what might be risky and like I think that that was the safest choice like obviously if we look at it and look at the results like maybe it didn't garner the results she was looking for but if you're thinking like logically and like if that would play out time and time again like that really is the right choice I think and Mm -hmm. it sucks that it didn't work out this time but another big thing from the finale last night I think was Michelle receiving zero votes Mm -hmm. which is so 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 sad to me (laughs) yeah I I was so sad watching her face when the votes got read it was so sad like Yeah, like that realization. That was actually something that I was curious about because in my kind of like understanding, usually most people know where the votes fall. Like I know it is supposed to be secret, but I think like people kind of understand um, or like pick up on things or whatever. And she seemed genuinely surprised that she didn't receive any votes. Yeah, I don't know. Because I um, I saw a little bit of an interview that she did afterwards. And she was saying that a few people told her that they were going to vote for her. But they didn't because they thought that it might end up giving yeah. the win to Natalie. And yeah. I don't know. To me, that kind of sounds like first of all it's odd that they would tell her who they voted for like that's kind of you know but I'm sure they do that every season but second of all I don't know if I actually believe that or if they just said that as like a reason you know to make her feel better I don't know yeah yeah I don't know what it was but yeah that is sometimes a jury strategy of like well if I vote for this person because I kind of know where the jury's headed most know generally the direction it's going to go before final tribal council just in their discussions at Ponderosa a lot of players will um, be like well I want my vote to count or I don't want I want this person to win and I don't want to disrupt the like we could accidentally like all have the same thoughts to vote for Michelle but I I do want Tony to win so sometimes people don't do that but I thought that she deserved votes from specific people and I hope that this doesn't take away from like the really great job she did this season and and I know that it was played out a little bit throughout the season of her not feeling like she deserved her win and I really hope that she can see just like what a great player that she is. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, it it does suck because so much of her narrative during the season was feeling like she hadn't deserved it and then like coming back and feeling like she did. And that was really interesting to see. And uh, I think we'll talk about that in a little bit too, is like, I feel like it was mainly female winners who talked about feeling like they didn't deserve the win, like her, Sophie, 
Amber talking about it at the end. Um, so that was really interesting kind of to see like that awareness of what people perceive as like, whether they deserved it or not. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's a, a really good point. We often saw that from women or, um, like doubting their win and their accomplishment really. And I think that comes from a lot of different things that play out on Survivor. And I think like in terms of modern Survivor, gender gets talked about so much more than it did in the past. And I think sometimes people think like, oh, this is a new thing, (laughs) a new thing on Survivor. But like obviously like power dynamics and systems and game mechanics that favor um, men have been there since the beginning. And I thought that it was really interesting, like Sarah's speech last night to Jeff and the jury and the players about um, the backlash that she received from like the audience about her lying and being deceptive and the internal struggle that she had about like am I a bad person because of these things that I was doing and I thought yeah that might be a good place to start yeah I definitely thought it was interesting I will say I felt like I totally understood where she was coming from but I did not feel like that was why people would have voted for Tony over her but not to invalidate what she said I still think what she said was accurate I just felt like it was maybe not the right not the right thing to say to the jury at that point because it's basically saying oh jury you're all sexist um right but I do think definitely like they've said before like survivor definitely is a reflection of society in that way and I do feel like masculine traits tend to be rewarded and feminine traits tend to be seen as weakness and I think you see that a lot in survivor where the person who's the winner generally people choose them as the winner because they had aggressive gameplay like that's a really like buzzword uh they like to pick the threats you know they like to pick the people that win a lot of challenges and find a lot of idols they go out there and they you know they hunt for the idols and they're really like pushing their moves and they're making things happen versus the people that are sort of quieter or behind the scenes Mm -hmm. their way of doing it isn't really respected as much so i definitely uh kind of went on a tangent there but uh no it's yeah no I think it definitely relates back to that and I do feel do feel that Sarah got a lot of backlash for a game that she played that was very similar to Tony's game or really Mm -hmm. anyone's game that's one that had an aggressive gameplay and I felt like the reason that she won was because she played more aggressively because that seems to be the type of gameplay that people reward at this point so for people to Mm -hmm. react like that to hers and not like that to someone else's doesn't seem fair at all. Yeah, it's like you are blamed if you do um, mm-hmm. have aggressive gameplay. And then you're also blamed if you don't like in at least that's what kind of she was kind of illustrating for us. And I think like you're totally right. Like a lot of leadership um qualities that people think of in Survivor like corralling groups and making decisions making executive decisions and stuff like that are um, behaviors that are associated with men and and um, masculinity and I think it's just a lot of these things that people fall into these more traditional roles and the ones that are often rewarded are the ones that 
men are allowed to do or expected to do um, in real life and on the TV show. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, there's also when we t- we talk about, yeah, these masculine traits, but also these feminine traits like being maternal um, mm-hmm. or, you know, like being a good friend and being nice and stuff like that with women. So when women backstab or lie or cheat they're painted in such a harsh light um, where you see men like Sarah was saying it's applauded for this aggressive gameplay but I think women yeah like they 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 get bitter juries because people are um, assuming that you'll act this one way and if you went against that then they're pissed at you for it <laughs> for sure and I, I feel like two of the I was thinking about this last night as I was going to sleep two of the really good examples of just sort of that contrast were Mike uh, the winner yeah. of worlds apart versus Mama C and then Ben versus Chrissy in heroes dealers hustlers uh, and I felt like they were two very similar sort of scenarios where, you know, Mike ended up basically winning immunity and finding idols and made his way to the end that way. And then did basically the same exact thing versus Mama C and Chrissy had more sort of social games. Chrissy's, I feel like, was pretty strategic. I haven't watched it in a little bit, but I remember both of them were definitely like making moves and they were running the game. And if you respect that kind of gameplay, they definitely deserved more votes than they got. But it does seem like the juries really like that sort of flashy underdog kind of play where it's like, well, you're the targeted guy. Everybody wants you out, but you keep playing these idols and winning immunities. And we really respect that you made it to the end, which I totally get. And definitely when I watched the seasons the first time, I was like, okay, yeah, like they deserved it. Even though I kind of was hoping that Mama C and Chrissy was would win. Yeah. I just sort yeah. of was like, well, you know, they really earned it. But at the same time, if if your game is all flashy, physical, you know, idols and you don't have any grasp on the social dynamics, then are you really even playing Survivor or are you just sort of going on a scavenger hunt and doing really well in physical challenges, you know? Totally. Like if we think about what Survivor is, it's a game of social dynamics and navigating those and voting people out, but still having them vote for you to win at the end. Um, I don't get this new era of Survivor where it is a lot of the merit of winners is based on these big flashy moves and these social games Um That often, like these women that you're talking about, Mama C and Chrissy and Michelle and stuff, Sarah, have on lock that allow them to navigate those dynamics and make social or strategic moves um, to make it to the end. And I understand that like flashy moves and stuff play better on TV possibly even especially in kind of our culture now where everything's bigger and better and more and faster Like, I totally get that it plays well on TV, but I just don't understand why it gets such a bad rap or is so undervalued compared to this other type of gameplay. Right. And I definitely feel like a lot of it for me comes back to just, I think the players of Survivor have created over the past like 10 seasons a criteria to win. And a lot of it has to do with like building your resume as they've made up that term and like, you know, 
dragging a goat to the end and stuff like that, you know, having a meat shield, like there's all these different terms that people, they've just become part of the survivor vernacular. And so I do feel like at the end, the jury just sort of is like, okay, what does a winner of survivor look like? And they just look for that person that fits the mold best. And I don't feel like that's how it started. Like I really like about the early seasons that they were still sort of like, there really are no rules as to who wins. It's just sort of, you vote out these people and then they pick a winner and it's not like you have to pick the person who played the best game you don't have to pick the person who had the best strategy you just get to pick a winner of a million dollars and so i feel like initially there was a more balanced voting system between social gameplay and more aggressive gameplay because people's feelings would get hurt or they wouldn't respect the way that someone played. Like you look at a season like Samoa, which was my first one, and Russell Hance played a very aggressive game. He was playing all sorts of idols. He was like one of the first people to find him without clues. You know, he basically orchestrated all of the vote outs or he was at least part of them. And in the end, they ended up voting all for Natalie White. And, you know, you could argue that she really didn't do that much of what people would today call a survivor winner and she built relationships. But I think if that season happened today, probably he would win because people would think that's who wins survivor. But I feel like her way of playing was just as valid and she deserved to win just as much because that was her way to get to the end. Totally. And yeah, I, I find it interesting even just thinking about goats or people that make it to final threes it's like well they did something that you didn't do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe that's they lowered their threat level enough um to make it through some votes or they won challenges or like there's something that they must have done that you didn't do to make it there Mm -hmm. and I think yes maybe sometimes we're like I'm definitely guilty of this of like absolutely like obliterating someone's game because I don't think they deserve to be in the final like finals but we're we're also only shown a small portion of what people are doing and I find that a lot of those smaller moves a they're harder to convey online or like on tv like it's harder to set up a story or um show intricacies of relationships through just confessionals and then the footage but also yeah that people might find that boring nowadays like people talk about going back and watching old survivor and it's like this is so slow like Mm -hmm. what even happened in this episode and stuff like that and it's like probably a lot but right now it's filled with idols and advantages and stuff like that so you lose the I don't know that integral piece which I think honestly is the backbone of the show yeah I completely agree I think at its best survivor is really about that dynamic of strangers having to survive with each other and trust each other but at the same time vote each other out so it's really like that balance of trust and deceit which is really interesting to watch and I do feel like pre-idols that was more the narrative And there was a lot more of like telling people you're going to vote them out and stuff like that. Uh, And now as time has gone on, it's gotten a lot wonkier. And eventually now, I mean, you look at last season, Island of the Idols, 
there was like a new idol every week that was getting played and it was just mm-hmm. a bit much to the point where you're like is this even the same show you know yeah yeah I thought you brought up a really interesting um point earlier about what people's conception of a winner looks like what do you have to have on your resume what do you like what what are those boxes you have to tick to be the winner and I think that a lot of people it carries on season after season of what people think is legitimate and I think yeah the way that it's been going like like speaking of Island of the Idols like haven't thought about Tommy since the finale right (laughs) and people like absolutely shit on his game and I thought that he played a good solid game and I think like a lot of people like middle of the road players are the ones that win because a lot of people if you're almost like too good I say in air quotes you are often spotted and voted out early yeah so I, I feel like it is the these kind of like all around middle of the road players that win but it's like haven't talked about him in ages because he kind of did play like one of those classic games that was built on like relationships and stuff like that so it's interesting of like he's kind of disregarded as a good winner because in this new era there's such stringent criteria Right, for sure, for sure. And I do feel like uh, part of the reason I didn't love him as a winner was just because of everything that happened on season 39 and the affiliations that he had. And I don't know how much he knew about what happened or, you know, whether he believed certain people, but just him being in an alliance with Dan, it was really hard for me to like root for him at the end. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. That that season, if you didn't watch, there was a contestant who was non-consensually and inappropriately touching another contestant on the show. And he was eventually removed, but it was like way too late in the game and and handled poorly at the time and and even post Survivor. But the show, I don't know, swiftly moved on to season 40, which... yeah. It's a good thing that, um, I don't know, there was kind of this more like uplifting uh, season right after. But it is unfortunate that like often these things get brushed under the rug and just like, okay, like we had the finale. So like, let's just move on. (laughs) So Dan Spilo, the guy who was inappropriately touching the girls, he was the one. um, Anyways, he came out and apologized afterwards. But it's like at that point, the season was over. Nobody was really talking about it anymore. It definitely wasn't a season that was like going to be talked about for the ages. You know, it's like the the season we're all going to try to forget, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because it was like traumatic for people and really hard, hard to process, I think. And the people on that produced the show maybe didn't set us up for us to really watch that season and... I don't know do well like I think that yeah I do feel like there should have been I don't know maybe a little bit more of a warning or totally something within the show that was like just so you know like things are about to get really bad because I feel like that merge episode was just 
one of the most like heart-wrenching things I've ever watched it was yeah yeah totally or even um not a similar thing but on Drag Race this season there was a person who I don't I don't want to detail the thing the situation because I, I don't know the specifics but they came out ahead of the episodes airing and said we found out this information after this had been taped so we've done our best to minimize their involvement in the show and like they could have done something like that where they played it out as a normal season they didn't let us like opt out a Mm. if it was something that is triggering they didn't let you opt out because you never knew when a a situation or was going to be shown but also they didn't do a good job of minimizing his content and um and letting people know we eventually remove him and we provide kelly with the supports that she needed but this is how things like unfolded right and i remember like when all this was happening and when the big merge episode came out people were talking about how uh if you remember the episode from game changers where zeke got outed at tribal council i believe they the crew behind survivor actually went to zeke and like showed him the the episode and was like making sure that he was okay with it but they did not do that with kelly yeah the girl um who was touched by dan yeah and i felt like that wasn't really fair i i did appreciate that at the reunion they like you know they had her come up and it, it did feel a little bit like she was uncomfortable being put under the spotlight like that yeah but i really appreciated what she had to say and the fact that she did say something because i felt like it meant a lot to a lot of people i wonder if that's because a lot of these things that are happening if you look at like a continuum of um like violent behavior and sorry if we're going down a rabbit hole no it's not this later but if you look at a continuum of violent like inappropriate behaviors survivor lets a lot of the ones that are like microaggressions or less recognizable as like wrong slip Mm -hmm. like you're totally right like like zeke came out after his season and said how well they treated it because it was this egregious act i think that Mm -hmm. producers and contestants knew as wrong but some of these smaller less recognized behaviors just go unnoticed or unchecked on survivor and i think like that's something that i wanted to talk about too of like jeff propes like he has now like cleared his name twice at different tribal councils one in 39 and one in 40 where he's like kind of giving this like I'm taking responsibility and taking accountability for things that I might have done now or in the past that were wrong but you can acknowledge those things and I'm glad that he has done it but he also lets ton of tons of these things slide or go unnoticed or projects his own like a lot of the things we're talking about of of this one image of a winner a lot of that is from Jeff like Mm. look at Jeff's favorite players they're all these like super masculine men yeah that have played really aggressive games or 
like Sarah was talking about, how he calls all these men in this boys club by their last name, but not the women. So it's like there are things that, yeah, just kind of go unchecked. Yeah, definitely. I do feel like uh, I'm pretty sure Jeff Probst is from Kansas. So I definitely think he has sort of that like Midwest, like sort of underlying, you know, good old boy kind of mentality. Um, And I I do feel like I I really appreciate the way that he talks about it because I you can tell that like he cares and he wants to, you know, do the right thing. I just think uh, maybe there's not that person that's there with him. That's a producer that's telling him like, hey, you know, this could be read this way or, you know, you're saying this and you should really say this instead. Just things like that. Yeah, I don't want to put any blame on other people that are there because obviously he's like the boss and stuff like that. And he became an executive producer in the Mm -hmm. last like blank seasons. And he obviously has a lot of pull in the show. So the power dynamics would be weird for some or very difficult to navigate um, for people to call him out. But yeah, I think like when you look at systems or whatever that yeah are led by certain people like there's the trickle down effect of what people value and what people think is right and I yeah often look at Mark Burnett who's the like creator and and Jeff as an executive producer and the host to change some of these things that we've been talking about (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely definitely and I I think you know a lot of it is like people in Hollywood are very out of touch with what anyone else is experiencing not to like generalize people in Hollywood I'm sure there are some that are very in touch with reality but I do feel like uh, I, I lived briefly in LA and I definitely feel like it's its own bubble and people have their own idea of what real life is like and they definitely yeah. don't fully understand like what life is like outside of entertainment totally yeah, I I agree with that. I think like one other thing that is interesting in Modern Survivor is this like final four fire making twist. I've been seeing a lot of discourse online about is this something that favors men? Like what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's hard to say cuz I We've definitely seen a lot of men win at the fire making contest. I don't know. I it did feel like it kind of came out of nowhere because I don't know. I think if you make it to the final four and you get voted out three to one, that's probably because you didn't play a good enough social game. And I feel like that's mm. how it really worked for a long time. And I was okay with yeah. it. You know, like I felt like David Wright should have won Millennials versus Gen X, but he got voted out. Yeah. So it is what it is. He didn't deserve yeah. to win if he got voted out. So I don't know. It almost feels unfair to everybody else that's been on another season that didn't get to make fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, are men inherently better at making fire? Probably not. But it does yeah, seem no. to tend to be the men that win. I don't really know why. 
Yeah, I don't know why either. Like, I don't have a definitive answer because I think like, for example, everyone knows that there's this fire making challenge. So you best be showing up to the island knowing how to make fire. And they're like, if you're thinking that you're going to make it long, long term and win this challenge, if you're ever put in that situation, like you really have to know. So in that aspect, I don't think it's inherently sexist. Like, I think like there is equal opportunity for people to know how to make fire I think though in practice for example um, I think about who does make fire at camp like that's one of the things that I think about like before on the show when you're at home and you're prepping can you make fire every day absolutely you should know that but I do think of like when you're back at camp and you're thinking about the rules like we often hear about like the women making rice or Mm -hmm. like something like that or like weaving those palm fronds and stuff like that and then so I'm thinking do they have the opportunity to make every day or does that often fall in the hands of the men right and I do remember on season 39 there was one scene where I want to say Kelly was trying to make fire and I think it was Jamal was like no let me do it and there was sort of that weird dynamic of like no I'm the man I'm gonna make the fire Uh, And he was like not able to start it, but he still was like, I'm going to make the fire. And she was wanting to try and he wouldn't let her. So it's possible that there's sort of that dynamic going on as well, where it's just the guys being like, I want to prove I can make a fire. Yeah, I also want to acknowledge that this um, image or this construct that you yeah have to be a super masculine guy and prove yourself with making fire must be also difficult to navigate if that's not your natural like tendencies or whatever so I don't know what the answer is like I definitely prefer like it not to be there like for it to be a classic vote um like we saw some of the best players leave at final three when it was when it was two people finales and final four in the later seasons yeah I don't know I think that maybe it is one of the things like we've seen a a men's winning streak right now where there's like the last I think it's six seasons, right? Have been Yeah. Have been men that have won. So I think it's like all of these variables that we've been talking about, um, kind of compounding on each other. Mm-hmm. Another thing when men are talking it's often men talking about the big threats of the game like I feel like I've seen this exact conversation season after season where there's like three guys around the water well and they're like who are the big threats and they just name other men Mm -hmm. I don't know how we came here or how we could change it but it it's just things that I've noticed. Right, definitely. Like, you know, I, like I said, I thought Tony deserved the win, but I didn't like his whole narrative throughout the season of, like, it's the Lions versus the Hyenas, and, like, the Lions just happen to be mostly him and other strong men, and, like, I think yeah. Sarah and maybe Kim and Sandra were included, but then, you know, like, Denise, Michelle, Nick were thought of as, like, Hyenas, and, you know, like, the vote that was supposed to be Denise, but she took out Sandra. They were talking about the threats versus the non-threats. And it's like, why is it that you don't see someone like Denise as a threat? She won a season. She's won a lot of challenges. She's in great shape. She's really good at her social game and she's really smart. 
So I don't see where the lack of threat is. Yeah, I think that that's really what it comes down to is like when people are like appointing who is a threat and who's not, why does it seem like there's super accomplished women that just get discredited immediately? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think that there are people that have won that maybe weren't the winner pick or maybe the weren't the deserving players, but it just seems like there's a general like sediment that, yeah, that the big dogs are always like, the guys and kind of going back to that idea of like a deserving winner versus an undeserving winner I kind of made a list of like who I think is like considered an undeserving winner and I feel like it's like Amber Sandra yeah Natalie White Michelle and Sophie are kind of viewed as undeserving winners and you look at like Amber's season you could argue that and she said last night that she feels that she won because everybody was madder at Rob and then Sandra's yeah. season, the second one, Heroes versus Villains, you could argue that she got the votes because people were mad at Parvati and Russell. And then Natalie White's yeah. season, same thing. People were mad at Russell. Michelle's season, people were mad at Aubrey. And then Sophie's season, people were mad at Coach. So it does feel like a lot of the time people feel that these undeserving winners only won because everyone was mad at someone else. But that sort of discounts the fact that they played a game in which they didn't make anyone mad which is still a valid way to play survivor yeah I don't know why that's discounted either because yeah like when Amber on the finale last night was talking about that like I really believe I only won because and that Rob truly won but I just won because people were pissed but I'm like but part of the game is having people not pissed at Mm -hmm. you at the end right so I'm like that's a huge flaw in your game if you're if you're pissing people off to a point where they can't even vote for you at the end yeah definitely and that's like I said like I feel like it's shifted so much in the game where people feel like now you have to vote for that person that played aggressively even if they made you mad and I feel like that really discounts the people that are playing in a different way where they focus more on relationships because ultimately if everyone in the game is playing aggressively they're going to get voted out and it's not going to be that fun to watch because it's just going to be sporadic. Like I felt like Island of the Idols to me was a good example of people sort of making moves just for the sake of making a move. And it wasn't really fun to watch because all the, to me, the most interesting characters got voted out earlier than I would have liked. Totally. Totally. I felt like some of the vote outs were so out of nowhere like Chelsea Walker getting voted out really early on because she had like one conversation with a guy and it was just like why (laughs) totally yeah I even think of Gabby um voting out Christian like I think it was mostly she had this thing in her head of like I need to make a big move Mm -hmm. I am, if I'm the audience at home, I'm screaming at my TV. Why are you continuing to work with Christian? And she tried to flip on him and it didn't pan out. But I, I truly believe she wouldn't have done that if there wasn't this idea in her head of like, I need to make a big move now before it's like too late. And I think you, you mentioned a really good point about chaotic gameplay. That's really aggressive. Like Tony is the best representative of that style 
versus Sarah. And like I navigate more to Sarah's gameplay because it's so consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think truly, I think Tony is really great TV. That's why I hold Kageon in such revere. But if you think about Sarah and Tony and if they played 100 games – my money is on Sarah because she has the relationships she can fall back on. She has this more consistent gameplay that's way less erratic. And she said a good quote last night, like it's been 36 days of me calming Tony down when he wants to do something crazy. And I thought that that was just a great representation of like her gameplay or one of her strategies that didn't often get showed on the show. And right. Yeah, I just appreciate her yeah, so Yeah, I definitely feel like what really impressed me about Sarah just in the last bit of the finale, in the last bit of her part on the finale, was Ben basically telling her to vote him out so that she could have a chance at winning, which, like, I'm sure, you know, in her mind, she wasn't like, I'm going to manipulate this guy to tell me to vote him out. It was just a testament to, like, the real relationship and connection that she makes with other players that he was willing to give up his shot to win to let yeah. her have a chance at winning. And I do feel like probably part of it was some self-awareness and him being like, well, even if I make it to the yeah. end, I probably won't win. And totally. I actually, I really liked that move because I was like to me it shows so much about like the toll this game takes on you that you would rather keep your friends than have a shot at winning but yeah so that and the fact that Natalie went up to her at the water well and showed her the idol and tried to get her she genuinely thought she had her on board to vote out Ben I thought that was so interesting that Sarah had such a grasp on everyone's sort of social dynamic that she was really able to get everyone to think that she was with them 100 percent, and we saw that in game changers and then we saw that again in in season 40 where she was everyone's number one and i think like going into the season dalton ross he's a uh reporter for i don't even can't even recall the magazine i think now, entertainment but- weekly he asked everybody to write down the person that they want to vote out first. And Sarah got like 50% of the votes Mm -hmm. (laughs) going into the season. And like, look at her at the end. And that just shows, it just, it does show the testament of what she was able to accomplish, where she was able to work at a game where technically everyone is against everyone else. But she was able to work so seamlessly with, people like Ben and Tony, where at the end, they're all in tears about her leaving or or Ben leaving. Like, that just shows the, I don't know, off her skills and her her relationship building that didn't seem fake. Yeah, I'm in awe of Sarah. And I think a lot of people don't like her because she doesn't have those zingers in confessional. And yeah, she doesn't have those flashy idol plays and stuff like that but and like game changers wasn't the best season (laughs) but in terms of like entertainment but I really I think she's one of the the best survivor players we've seen in 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 the series but also just in modern survivor and I think a lot of the season really demonstrated like modern survivor has changed so much from old survivor which is why I think the old survivor players really couldn't keep up 
Um, I felt yeah. like Rob was maybe the best example of it with trying to do the buddy system, but with actual like really great players and it was like what yeah. were you thinking did you really think that they were gonna just yeah, sit around all day look. and not even and try to make a move in that episode when they didn't even really seem like they had to talk but ben and like adam and stuff like that they're like making eyes at each other they're like we know it's rob right mm-hmm. like we're all like good with that and it was just funny of, like, how they didn't even really had to have, like, like they didn't have thorough discussion or anything. They just knew. Right. Sometimes we forget how much luck or the other competition really makes a winner. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing with me with the fire making contest, kind of going back to that, is I do feel like there's an element of luck. Like, I don't think you can win without knowing how to make a fire, but... I think ultimately, yeah. like, sometimes you hit the flint and there's a spark, and sometimes you hit the flint and there's no spark. And it's, I, I've seen, we've all seen a lot of fire making contests where the person who has been making fires all day suddenly just can't I make a agree. fire. Yeah. And, and it's like, I think part of it and, is just and finding idols getting and lucky. stuff like that. Like, there is aspects of it that it that is just fluke and luck and stuff like that so all of the elements have to come together for someone to win so what's next for survivor like we're moving into our into the 40s which is wild to me but do you think that there are things that the show can do to kind of mitigate some of these gender dynamics or kind of these traditional rules that happen yeah, I definitely I've thought about it a lot because there is so much within the show that is sort of really built into it that I can't really imagine it changing, but I feel like it would have to change to get a new kind of winner. And I feel like ultimately, I don't know if this would ever happen, but there would need to be like basically a reset of the game because, you know, like I said, people seem to already have in their mind what's the archetype of a winner and it's based on the game that exists as it exists. So, I mean, I've, I've talked to my boyfriend about it a lot and, you know, he has an idea where it's like, do a survivor apocalypse where it's like everyone's in an abandoned warehouse and we give them like basic, you know, supplies and they have to survive like that or, you know, survivor, somewhere other than Fiji, you know, (laughs) where it's just, and they, I feel like if they either really simplified the game, maybe didn't have any idols or only did advantages instead of idols, that would, I think, bring it back more to its roots of being about social politics and strategy and not so much about who has the flashiest gameplay and the longest resume. Yeah. I also think like, that's a good point about the idols. Like, having alternative ways to find them like currently the predominant way to find an idol is to look in bushes um there used to be clues to them um now sometimes there is sometimes there's not obviously there's other ways that you can get things like buying them with their fire tokens on this season or there's been idols hidden at challenges etc but Often people are talking about how finding them is skewed towards men. Also just thinking about how when you're back to the basics 
and you're surviving on an island, I think those more traditional rules come out because that's something that you probably feel comfortable in. And it's something maybe, yeah, that provides you comfort when you don't have any. This is a roundabout way of saying that often women are pigeon-held into staying at camp and like tending to camp life where um, the men have more free reign to walk and search and look and stuff like that. As far as changing the game to be, because I don't think we need to change the game so that it's like, oh, we have to make a woman win. I just want it to be more fair and, you know, equitable. And it does seem like the more that they move towards making all these random advantages have so much influence, the more that we see male winners I do feel like moving away from advantages would probably balance things out a little bit more. But I do really feel like at the core, it really has to come down to the players agreeing that what makes a winner is not necessarily flashy gameplay and manipulation. I don't know if that will just take maybe finding a cast that doesn't know the game very, very well or bringing in a cast and telling them like the rules are completely different this season or something like that. I love seeing fans on the show because I'm a fan and I want to be on it, but I do think you get sort of a more interesting dynamic when you bring in people that don't know the show. Yeah. Like, yeah, you see someone like Earl who won um, uh, Survivor. It was the ones with the haves versus the have nots, but I forget. Yeah. Fiji. Fiji. Found it. Nice. Okay, so we have someone like Earl who won Survivor Fiji, and he had never seen the show before, and he basically, I think he found out that he was going to be on it, like, a day or two before, and they flew him out. I might be wrong about that story, but I know he had never seen the show, Um, and he won, which I think is really cool, and I think it's because he played with this very, like, social game that was very much about relationships with people and there was still a lot of strategy in it but it was really not a game that was influenced by anyone else's game and I think that's really the main issue we have today is everyone's trying to emulate a game that someone else has played yeah I thought you brought up a good point of that is one thing that has really changed from day one survivor is that they're casting way more super fans and obviously as a super fan (laughs) I love that like that's great plus like it right the emotional piece of it, like, I think, like, the most recent super, super duper fan that I can think of is Adam. Like, just that emotional, like, or Chrissy Hoffbeck. Like, I've applied for 16 years and I'm on the show. Like, that is such great TV that I obviously want to watch. But you're right about if we're casting super fans and they have this idea of what a winner is, how do you, how do you change that? Like, how... How is that something that how how can you bring in other ideas of what winners should be to the to the show? Right, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely bothered me as the seasons go on. Every time someone's like, traditionally in Survivor, once an idol is yeah. played, another one is hidden, and it's like I really miss when that people yeah. didn't know, you know, when a new idol yeah would be out. Um, when you had to go to exile to find an idol. You know, when it wasn't just so easy where people were like, well, there's an idol in the jungle and I know it's there because someone played an idol. Or on the last Edge of Extinction, when um, they were saying like, oh, let's just make it to the family visit and then we'll fight it out amongst ourselves. And I just felt like that was so frustrating where the players all knew exactly when things were going to happen. 
and what the timeline was. And I definitely feel like it needs to get switched up a bit so that people can't really predict as much what's going to happen next. I also think like this came up obviously in Survivor 39, but just hiring more women, um, like it, it was often detailed that all of the camera people and the producers and stuff like that, I don't want to say all, but mo- most are men. And just having more women and more per- diverse perspectives is really important when you are looking at creating something. That's like the ethical thing to do is have a diverse team of people to make sure that, yeah, you're checking all those boxes that you need to. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that because that is really the best way to see if what you're making is, you know, equal is to have a pretty equal number yeah. of men and women that were, that are working on it. And I definitely, you know, I believe in, you know, whoever's the most qualified or the best for the job should get it. But at the same time, if you know that your show has issues with, you know, diversity and having an equal experience for, you know, both genders, I definitely feel like it's justifiable to specifically bring someone in because they can represent that group. Yeah, and they can bring a perspective that you might have missed while working there. And um, and also just making people feel comfortable and not like othered when they're, people talk about feeling like they were kind of tokenized or typecast in certain roles. And when you don't see yourself reflected in the production or in the when I think about like offices or TV or whatever like if if people don't feel like they're reflected in that like that really hinders people's ability to thrive yeah definitely and I I do think it's interesting like sort of tracking the amount of diversity that has happened on Survivor through the years and it's always equal with the men and women but you know racially it's it's definitely more white. Yeah, like increased diversity. Yeah, and I just think like if you really want a fair game, you have to make it, yeah, equitable for everyone. And people of color and queer folks and women or people that aren't the dominant gender, if they don't have the ability to see themselves represented or supported they're battling way more than just the game. They have all these other things that they're considering. And I know that um, certain people have said, like I remember Karishma last season was talking about representing her community and the pressures that, that came with that and how much more of mental fatigue and even physical fatigue does that play a part in yeah people's ability to thrive right definitely and I I do think part of it as well is I mean I don't I don't know if this is just me musing or if there is proof behind it but I do feel like women tend to be more worried about the public perception of them so I do think women go into the game a little more afraid of what people will perceive them as as opposed to men going into the game totally um the other things that kind of we talked about that I think that could mitigate some of these issues are editing like don't show the fucking a hundred times that men are talking about big threats or meat shields and not including women because then people at home 
through like their own lens, but they're subconsciously taking that in and creating this idea of a winner. So just like don't don't show those things. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I do feel like I hadn't really thought about it, but I do feel like Survivor is more and more getting edited almost to be like a sport where it's like all you see is strategic gameplay and you see people talking about who they're going to vote out and all that stuff, but you don't see as much of the human element of it. So it's moving away from being about these relationships and people and how people react to different situations. And it's more about like people playing a game. And I definitely think that is partially responsible for why people only see it as a strategic game versus a human experience. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And in terms of filming, we also kind of wrote in our notes about clothing options. Like you, people are typecast um, for sure, but I just think about some of the, the overall say is from the production of what you can and can't wear. And I just think of like the tiny sundresses that people get and like obviously that's totally okay I'm not talking about it in a way of like that it's like exposing their skin or like that it's like slut shaming or anything like I'm not talking about that I'm just talking about like the essentials that you need to survive outside whereas like the businessman gets a full suit and then you look over at the flirty young 20 year old in a sundress and stuff like that and it's yeah just like setting everyone up for success and I think that used to be a huge part of the game the survival element and the shipwrecked look and stuff like that but we can get that from other tv shows I would much rather see people um clothed properly and like a effectively than than not right definitely and the example that I always think of is Purple Kelly from Survivor Nicaragua where she ended up quitting and everybody was like oh she's a quitter you know she was basically edited out of the season um so that when she quit people were like who is this girl yeah uh, but it's interesting because when you actually like look at the interviews with her afterwards which I did because I'm, you know, a super fan. Um, She was basically saying she was like freezing out on the beach and all she had was this little yellow sundress and they wouldn't give her anything else, even though she was like begging them for other clothes. And like Judd, who ended up winning the season, he gave her his jacket, but she just was like slowly freezing. And so her and Naonka ended up quitting because they just couldn't take it anymore and I definitely feel like she was basically like shamed for that but they really should have allowed her to have a jacket or something I do know that they have more clothing options nowadays and stuff like that but since they're producing a tv show and they have different types of characters um they still play into that like okay this person's like the nerd let's stick them in yeah a blazer and stuff like that or a button-up t-shirt or whatever and often women it's just not all but a lot it's just something that's like really not useful when you're on a deserted island and there's hurricanes and really bad rain and I definitely do not love that they moved back to having them wear underwear as opposed to swimsuits I don't know why they chose to do that 
because it's not like underwear quickly dries like swimsuits, you know? Yeah. I just, I can't even imagine how gross that would be to wear the same pair of underwear for 39 days. Totally. Yeah. And I, I just think like in the early 2000s when this game was first on, um, people probably were watching because it was a bunch of people in bathing suits and underwear and stuff like that. And there's like an appeal to that. But I think nowadays, like that's not what the game is about or that's not the appeal. Like go somewhere else if that's what you want right. to see. If you want to see girls in bikinis, you can find that elsewhere. Yeah. So it's like just give them proper clothes. <laughs> like, Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Especially because they're in Fiji every season now. And Fiji, like they go there basically during typhoon season which they've dealt with many seasons. So it just seems like, I don't know, it, it just doesn't seem right. I do think like as time has gone on, it does look like all of them have a jacket. Like I think they're yeah. now allowing them to bring a jacket, yeah. which may have been because of uh, Angelina and the whole jacket <laughs> fiasco, which was fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah, she was one of the first kind of people to really include gender into this conversation. Oh, I love Angelina. She was so super, super nice when I met her. And it was so funny. I was talking to her and I was like, I, I actually really loved you. And she was like, I thought everyone hated me. And I was like, no, like, I mean, you were edited to be kind of this goofy character, but yeah, I felt like she was so endearing, you know, and she, I felt at the beginning, she was really edited to be this like very interesting smart woman and then just over time it just sort of devolved into something else yeah and like you know she was still fun to watch but uh yeah I do feel like it's kind of like Adam this season like they really looked for the moments to kind of make him look goofy yeah like if there was like five times that he tripped we're gonna show all five times on on right Because they need these narratives. But yeah, it sucks when it's like at the cost of somebody because it's really tough. I think that's like another thing that survivors have been talking about is like just the toll that after the game takes on them and like their mental health and stuff. And yeah, I I really liked that they talked about that. And one of the tribal councils this season where they were talking about how like how difficult it was to trust people again afterwards. I thought that was so interesting because you don't even think about that. Like I just imagine, you know, you go out, you play, you come home and, you know, it's like physically you need to get back to what you were. But I didn't even think about mentally like having that much of a toll on you. Totally. Or like just mulling over the mistakes or whatever that you Mm -hmm. made. Like I just I can't imagine what that experience is like. Yeah, I really like what Tyson says um, because he said it on the season he won and he said it again this season where he's like, you know, some people take it too seriously and they get voted out and it ruins their life. And yeah. uh, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, on his season that he won, that was after his girlfriend got voted out and he was upset. But he was like, you know, as long as she had fun and I stay here and I have a good time, like, that's really the point. And I definitely think like there needs to be more of that mentality on Survivor where it, it is a game it's an experience you should all be having a good time like if you leave and you're really unhappy with your time there then that's probably not the way that it should be going totally I think one last thing that I want to talk about is also just coverage of the show 
Like mm-hmm. we talked about all of the articles that we read and podcasts we listen to and stuff like that. And I just think that the space is like dominated by men. And so definitely. obviously they're talking about it through their own lens. So yeah, definitely. Because I hadn't even really thought about it until I saw that you made a note of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, like every well-known podcast, every like well-known journalist that covers it is male and i i know there was uh before the season started i want to say it was entertainment weekly canada there was a female reporter yeah entertainment canada mm-hmm. and entertainment so, tonight canada mm, okay yeah um yeah. yeah so she was great that was cool to see but i definitely think like especially of the former players that are now commentators there's not as many women doing it, at least not ones that are very... Yeah, mm-hmm. just thinking about the the players that commentate, like I am a Rob Has a Podcast patron. It's like probably the only coverage I super, super, super follow. Um, and I think he's done an amazing job um, discussing season 39 and some of these issues that have come up. He really hasn't shied away from... Um, discussing them but yeah I think like again just like we we talked about with production and filming and editing and also covering the seasons like we need to see more women to have different perspectives and that's also like also people of color and people of different gender identities like we've talked about women but also we haven't even talked about queer trans folks like Mm -hmm. like we just need more diverse perspectives on the show um and covering the show definitely I completely agree because yeah it it's not something that you really like notice but I'm I'm sure that it definitely has an influence on the way that people watch and think about the show totally yeah yeah just because everyone um, interprets things through their own intersections and their own lens and if we're just hearing kind of this one dominant type of person obviously people contain multitudes but mm-hmm. this kind of these ideas I guess that are coming forth if they're just coming from one type of person like a that's not interesting but B, yeah, it's going to color the way that people think of things. Right. And I think ultimately, like, as far as gender in the show, what it comes down to is, like, the same as in real life. It's not that I just want a woman to win for the sake of a woman winning. Totally. It's that there have been a series of men winning. It's essentially a pattern now that men tend to only win. And that, to me, is a sign that there's something in place that's not really letting women get to that spot so absolutely yeah like I literally said at the top of the show that my favorite season was Coggy on which is a male mm-hmm. winner like it's definitely not that I just want to see women obviously I want to see women succeed but it's not for the sake of having a woman winner it yeah like you said is truly about how can we make the game equitable for everyone and it's boring if it's the same type of person and it's not exciting I agree yeah I mean you look back at the last six seasons and the winners were we had so Tony yeah no not Chris Tony Tommy (laughs) I see I forgot about Tommy um Chris Nick Wendell and Adam 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 was I think like 33 
Okay, so a little but, bit. But uh, yeah, I'm just going back to like when was the last female winner? So yeah. Sarah, and then it was like you know Ben and so forth. Yeah. But I definitely feel like all of them really had the same sort of path to the end. Maybe the only one that was a bit different was Wendell. Yeah. Because he was in such a strong pair. Yeah. Um, and that was a super interesting ending. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, I definitely feel like. You know, Ben, Nick, Tommy, Chris, and Tony, they definitely feel like the same archetype, you know? Totally. There's many similarities between their gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is, like you said, it's just kind of boring at a certain point. It's like, do I really want to watch and just see the same type of guy win at the end? Totally. Like, you know, you look at a, a season like season 39, we started with such an incredibly diverse cast, which is rare for Survivor. And it was really exciting because it was like, oh my gosh, like I've never seen a cast that had this many different backgrounds and we still end up with, you know, a white guy is the winner. Totally. Um, which, you know, if you played the best game, you played the best game. I don't want to take his win away from him, but I do feel like, you know, we're getting the same kind of winner, even if we start with a different group of people. So yeah. maybe it's not about who you're putting on the show. It's more about the structure of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's like a really good note to end on is that we I'm positive for the future. Like I'm really hopeful that Survivor is going to take note of um, these things as they get covered more and talked about more. And I'm hopeful that they'll listen to their audience and make the necessary changes. And we just thought of a, a handful of changes that they could make right now that, <laughs> that like cast us as your, not just players, right. but your consultants. <laughs> Hire me, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm unemployed. <laughs> but yeah, like we thought of some, sol- not solutions, but some things to to try out that they could implement like right away. So yeah, I'm really hopeful that things will, will improve for the better. And yeah, I'm excited to see what season 41 and beyond has in store for us. Definitely. I'm super excited. And I agree with you. I think It'll probably be good to have this little break for them. And I think they'll kind of reconsider what they're going to do moving forward. And hopefully it won't just be a few more twists and flipping coins. Totally. Like this is my favorite TV show. I stand by that it is the best game on earth and love to watch every season. And I want to continue to want to watch every season. And yeah, I think that this is important an important conversation to have for them to move forward in a way that's um, fair for everybody, but also makes their show better and like diverse casts and crew enrich TV shows and they shouldn't shy away from that. Definitely agree. Like Sam, it's my favorite show on TV and I will probably always watch, but I would definitely be more excited about it if there was a bit of a switch up in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's it from us. It was really nice talking to someone about a survivor, but be like gender dynamics. And oftentimes, like on this podcast, we don't talk about like some of the, these kind of not heavy, but more challenging topics. So it was also a 
this has been a challenge for me to make sure that I'm, yeah, doing my homework and being fair and um, have some good points in my arguments. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. No, it was super fun. I always want to talk about Survivor and it's hard to find people that watch it. So this has been really fun for me. Good. Yeah. Thanks so much for bringing your perspective and um, doing all your due diligence of of research and stuff like that and putting together some thoughts. I super appreciate that. For sure. So Penny, where can folks find you if they want to hear more from you? Uh, So it's not about Survivor, but (laughs) if people are interested in sort of seeing what I write and what I do in my life, I have a blog called Vagrants and Vagabonds. And basically I talk about all the different sort of jobs that I've had. I've worked on a cruise ship and gave tours of Black Bear Habitat in Alaska and just all kinds of crazy stuff and traveled around a bit. So if you're interested in stuff like that and uh, just like the sound of my voice, then check that out. Yeah, I love that. I will have to have you back on the show to talk about something like Below Deck or something like that. Yes, I love Below Deck. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Okay, that we'll put that on the, the schedule. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, it was so nice talking to you. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did talking about one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Survivor. And if there's anything else that you want me to deep dive, I'd be more than happy to. Just let me know on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at RTBP Podcast. And I think that's all from me, folks. Stay safe and healthy. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty See you soon. Bye.